0: Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup. It's being brought to you by Nebraska soybean farmers and their checkoff. Today, I am broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board studios in Lincoln. Lots of things that we're going to look at within this market today. Some interesting aspects as well. Don't forget, we have a January 12th report. Having said that, what does this report really mean and why does there seem to be so much talk about the heavy weight this report has on the trade? We'll also look at the happenings of the soybean market as we know it's been a crazy roller coaster ride for them. We'll also talk about some cattle movement. We know that slaughter numbers have definitely been different this last week.
1: It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska.
0: Well, we'd like to welcome folks back as we continue here today. We have got joining us Kyle Bumstead. He is with Alan Dale and Brian Split Lagmarket.net. And gentlemen, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us on this uh, cold Friday afternoon.
1: Thank you for having us. You bet. Thank you, Susan. It's good to be back.
0: Let's talk about this soybean market because it definitely was an interesting market that we saw this week in the trade. And and Brian, I want to kind of start out with you. As we look at this soybean trade, what seems to be the biggest trigger we've seen in this roller coaster market?
1: Susan, we're really being dominated by South American weather right now. and, And this has been an ongoing issue for the last several weeks. Uh, You get a country like Argentina that's, frankly, been dry uh, over the last six months, drier than normal. Uh, But now as we really get into their growing season and when we're producing the crop, uh, we're seeing some rather extreme heat. And so we've got a forecast for record heat next week. Uh, The shorts just really did not want to be part of the the market going into the weekend. Uh, So we were able to see March soybeans uh, trade above $14. Uh, We uh, are now with today's high about uh, 30 cents off of the contract highs that were made in June on that particular March contract. saw new contract highs for new crop soybeans, the NOVA of 22. And uh, with Argentina being a very uh, uh, meal exporting centric type of a country, so they don't sell the soybeans, they process it and sell the meal. Uh, we also had meal make new contract highs sharply higher. We're also seeing a, a, a index funds uh, come in here early in the year and the expectations were they were gonna buy uh, 20,000 contracts of soybeans, 25,000 contracts a meal, and that would happen over a, a three- to five-day period. And that's also uh, taking place as we're seeing this weather market develop.
0: You, you talk about this weather market, and Kyle, I know as we look at the at the big picture, there's been a lot of concerns out there um, in the videos I've seen from South America in general. We've got those pockets that are extremely dry, those pockets that are are wet. And sure. there's some concerns when it comes to the quality of these beans and even the corn at this point.
2: Well, that's correct, Susan. And, you know, right now uh, their calendar is kind of May, June, early July timeframe, so they're very dependent on rain. This is, you know, like our May, June, July up here. So uh, when you look at it, there has definitely been a lot of commercial interest uh, as far as the spreads go saying, hey, we want to make sure we've got some coverage here because it does appear that there is a problem in South America. And we've got really good domestic crush uh, here in the States. So they've, you know, extended their coverage there, you know, as far as both soybeans and soybean meal. And part of today's action I'd like like to add on to what Brian said too about the rebalancing. Um You know, there's there's been some uh, folks that have been short beans for quite a while, and I think that some of the margin clerks maybe got a hold of them here towards the end of the session or throughout the session here, and I think you maybe saw a little bit of margin liquidation uh, on some of these soybeans versus soybean meal spreads.
0: Weather here in the States, this drought map, I was reading this morning from the USDA that we're at that 40-plus percent of the country that's in a drought state of some port and they think that maybe even going into next week that could see a big jump does that cause any marketing concerns and worries for you
2: well at this time uh, you know, we started last spring, um, we didn't have much for subsoil moisture here, at least in central Nebraska and a lot of places in western and central Iowa and even eastern Iowa were lacking on moisture and I know the old adage is well you know a good time to have a droughts in the winter but it is starting to get a little bit concerning as we're not seeing much moisture come through here at least at least let us know it can snow or rain or do something it would be nice to get some of that back in the atmosphere here but it is definitely a concern.
0: Brian, what about for you? Um, You are more in the Eastern Corn Belt side of the world. How are things looking for you guys with dryness? Uh,
1: So we finally got some measurable snow last weekend. It's been an awfully long time and we haven't had any since. Uh, And it's kind of a a scenario where you look at, um, you know, central to Northern Brazil versus Southern Brazil and Argentina and the stark difference that you see there as far as moisture and, and the way that we've seen rains develop. And and that's kind of been the issue in the Eastern Corn Belt versus the Western Corn Belt, where the Eastern Corn Belt, and there's some areas that have had some standing water uh, recently. And again, we talk about the Western Corn Belt and how dry it is. And then you go further and look at Kansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, and seeing how that's affected the wheat conditions there. Um, and so that's having some major basis implications. I talked to a producer near Goodland, Kansas uh, this afternoon. You know, they're getting 85 over for corn. Uh, they're looking for a dollar over, and they think they'll get it um, in combination of of the concerns of drought and, and just the, the uh, uh, hangover from the uh, somewhat poor crop last year, again, because of how dry it was. Uh, so as we move into spring, if we continue to see those dry conditions, I think that's going to continue to be on the fund manager's mind.
0: And then it comes as no surprise when we see something like the Army Corps of Engineers talking about the Missouri River and the dryness that's there, you know the seriousness of it is definitely upon us.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, so it's one of those things right now, and we've seen, I know that the people have looked at the maps from 2012, and saw how that drought really developed over time. And so we do have those similar conditions where the South, Southwest uh, is already in drought, drought conditions. And uh, if we kind of see that start to creep into the Midwest, uh, and and you, know, you look at drought maps for Iowa and, and Nebraska, it's not a pretty picture right now. If we start to see that spread, intensify and move into the eastern belt as we get into the into the production cycle uh going to be a, a large reason for these funds to continue to, to maintain and, and potentially add to their long positions and and we have also seen the new cftc regulations where the the funds can hold a longer or a larger uh position than what we've seen previously so we could see new record length in the market if there's a reason to this
0: year well, this report is being brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Board and their checkoff dollars. Thank you to the Nebraska Soybean Farmers. And we continue, both gentlemen, we've got a report coming up next week. This January 12th report always seems to bring a, just a little bit of excitement to the market trade. Brian, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on the report?
1: Well, Susan, I think one of the things, let's just help the, the listeners understand exactly what this report is going to say. Uh, so let's start with the September quarterly stock report. That's effectively your carry-in from the previous year's crop. Now the USDA is also going to give us a finalized, and this will be final probably until next September, but a finalized yield and uh, acreage number, and that'll be our total production for this harvest cycle. So you take that total production number plus the carry-in from last year, and that's your total pile of bushels. We'll have the new yield, we'll have the new uh, acreage number in there, and then we'll have uh, changes to the demand based on the implied first quarter demand, uh, and also based on how they adjust the South American production numbers. So. I have to imagine they're going to come in and reduce the Brazil, uh, Argentine, Paraguay, uh, Uruguay. We're going to see reductions in their production. Uh, that should potentially increase our expectations of export demand for our product. Uh, and then we're also going to get winter wheat seeding. So you've got a lot of data that's going to drop all at one time. And this historically is a report that brings extreme volatility into the market.
0: Having said that, Kyle, what does this mean for our growers out there and our producers that are, are waiting for this report and, and wondering about doing some marketing?
2: Well, I think this has been a good opportunity here. While we've gone into uh, this winter here, we've seen a lot of things really improve in the farmer's favor. Uh, You know, the basis has improved exponentially since we started harvesting last fall. The spreads have improved, meaning there's no carry. So it's been a a good opportunity to sell those bushels, move it, get some cash. I know uh, there's a lot of people in the farm community say they're flush with cash, but the market's really not telling you to hold grain right now. The grain they, They want the grain now. And so the commercials have really kind of bid up for it. And I think that they're anticipating some changes maybe being brought about by the USDA as far as an export picture or even a domestic usage picture.
0: All right. Since you're talking cattle, let's jump over to that. This last week, the slaughter numbers have not been where they are. When you compare them to a year ago, there's a lot of discussion out there that there's going to be some plant slowdowns. Not saying COVID as much as as sickness in general. What are you hearing and how is this going to affect our trade into the coming week? Well, it's interesting because it's typical
2: Typical in the wintertime we do get a week where it seems like the sickness does hit and we have some slowdowns, but you know, we slowed them down pretty good this week. Uh, we knocked uh, about 10,000 head a day, so we knocked about fifty, maybe 50 60,000 head off of this week's slaughter. So in essence, that is somewhat backing up some cattle. I know if we work a couple Saturdays through here and we crank things back up, we can probably get work through them easily, but uh, there are some issues out here. And I think there's a few logistic issues, too, as far as there is demand for the boxed in product whether it's pork or beef but logistics getting truck drivers and and you know drivers and trucks and, and hauling stuff has been a rather you know large issue out here uh, at some of these packing plants
0: all right brian as we get ready to wrap this up I wanted to ask you your thoughts on on all these lawsuits that we're seeing coming in whether it's on pork prices or the usda and and the president talking about meat packing issues is it having an influence on these prices
1: I think both of those events seem to have had a, an immediate impact on the futures at least. Uh, we talk about the uh, the lawsuits uh, regarding the pork price fixing. Uh, we talk about the White House talking about uh, you know the the uh, beef prices uh, and how the main four packers are are fixing prices there and so what we 've seen immediately in both events is a large drop in the futures value. Uh, today, we had February lean hogs down sharply. Uh, near three cents a hundredweight. Uh, earlier in the week, we had live cattle, you know, gap lower and and uh, take several dollars off of values. Uh, so I don't know what that's going to mean for the long term, but we've definitely seen an instant reaction in the futures. Uh, I tend to think, as you go back to what Kyle was talking about, uh, you know, with the uh, reduction in slaughter, I think that's going to be a short term issue. I think we do have, uh, you know, a, a reduction in herd, and when we do get the slaughter numbers back up, which I think will once we get things peaked. Uh, we get, you know, the virus to work through everybody who's going to get sick That get sick and then we'll get back to work and we'll get these slaughter numbers ramped back up and, and things will be better down the road.
0: All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much to both of you for joining us this week. As always, we want to remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss they are not suitable for all investors. And that is this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield.